0: What a beautiful truth to declare that Jesus is our life. Jesus is the one who rescued us from the hell-bound race on which every man coming into this world is set to travel on, unless Jesus intercepts him. Well, friends, this morning, I have chosen to walk away from our path of working through our sermon series um, that we are working through right now as a congregation and choose to have a one-time sermon speaking about the uh, meaning of baptism. Since we are baptizing uh, four uh, candidates today, I thought it would be appropriate for us to just pause and reflect on what is baptism. Why, first of all, why do we baptize? Well, to the question, why do we baptize, is a very quick answer, Um, and it is this, uh, because Jesus tells us so. He commands us. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Part of the process of, of making disciples is to baptize them. There's more to this uh, baptism than merely obeying a command. Baptism is more than just an act of obedience. It is at least that, but it is way, way more than that. So, this morning, I want us to look at what is baptism? What does it signify? And why do we baptize adults as opposed to infants? Why do we baptize by immersion? As opposed to sprinkling. As we look at these questions, I want us to set a larger biblical perspective for baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, uh, These are the only two ordinances that the church um, celebrates or um, manifests. Uh, They are commanded by Christ, but but there's something unique about these two commands that makes them deeper than just commands. Uh, They are a public declaration of who it is that have or has responded to Christ. Uh, Baptism is a public declaration of who it is that has responded to Christ. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are not to be observed as private experiences. Oh, they are public declarations. Uh, Both baptism and the Lord's Supper communicate certain realities I love how Bobby Jamieson speaks about baptism. He says, Baptism is now how Christians go public with their faith. In other words, it's simply how Christians make their public press release that they are now followers of Christ. But, friends, something even more important than that happens through the act of of baptism. By baptizing, we make a declaration not only of who is a disciple of Jesus, but we also make a declaration of what has happened in the lives of those who follow Jesus. So this morning, as we look at the meaning of baptism, I would like for us to look at what it portrays. And the passage we will consider this morning is Romans chapter 6. We'll be looking from verse 1 to verse 14, even though our main emphasis will be just in the first few verses of this passage. Here's the book of Romans chapter 6. If you did not bring a Bible with you this morning, we encourage you to grab one of the Bibles provided in chairs in front of you. Um, they're the, the black Bibles. If Uh, you don't know where to find Romans, it's on page number 942 in the Pew Bibles. If you don't own a Bible, um, we would love for you to have one of the Pew Bibles, take it home with you. We would love for you to have it and read it and learn about God. And if you have any questions about it, we'd love to talk to you about it some more. Here's the word of the Lord for us this morning. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. And this is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the great God who has given us your grace. To redeem us from sin would you speak to our hearts now through the proclamation of these words oh lord and we pray that you would rescue sinners even today even now in the name of christ we pray amen have you ever seen people arrive at a wrong conclusion about what the bible says some of you are nodding your head pretty confidently even with a smile um, it can easily happen. It happens actually more often than we would like it to happen. And it happens not only to others. It can happen to us, to me, to you. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear that part of the process of growing as Christians uh, is that we allow the Bible to correct our false understandings or our wrong applications, even about a good understanding. We may have a right understanding and yet apply it wrongly. Part of the process of growing as Christians is, is to let the Bible continue to correct our understandings and misunderstandings and our applications to conform our lives to the way of Christ. Uh, by by walking away from a wrong application from a biblical truth Um, we um, show our desire to conform our lives to the way of Christ. But realize, friends, that, that, that taking a wrong application from a biblical truth is a real possibility, even for you, even for me. In our passage, the Apostle Paul addresses one wrong application that his readers might take from what he says. In chapter 5, Paul spoke about grace and sin. Particularly in verses 21 and 22 uh, of chapter 5, we see a picture of how God's grace is greater than sin. Way greater than our sin. When God calls us to himself, no matter how great our sin is, God's grace is still greater. He says in verse 20 of chapter 5, Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. In other words, friends, no matter how deep, no matter how great, no matter how heavy the burden of sin is in our lives, the grace of God is even greater. God has given us His grace in abundant measure so that His grace would triumph over our sin and would outdo the work of sin. Some people think that they have sinned so much. They have sinned too much, too deeply, too greatly to ever be forgiven by God. The good news of the gospel is that the grace of God is greater than any human rebellion on planet earth. Now this brings us to chapter 6. Paul brings from this passage. Paul addresses one possible. Wrong application. In chapter 6. Paul says. What shall we say? Are we to continue in sin. That grace may abound. Paul realizes. That there are people in his own day. That could take the message. About the abundant grace of God. is more abundant than our sin people could take that and run with it in the wrong direction and use that as a license for sin as a reason to keep on sinning so that the grace of god might have more opportunities to abound and paul says oh no no way if that would be the application you would misunderstand how the grace of god works you would misunderstand what it means to be a Christian, you would misunderstand what happened to you when you were baptized. It's amazing that when Paul wants to correct this possible misapplication of the word of God, Paul goes on to address them and remind them of their baptism. It's pretty amazing. For the person who is inclined to go on and keep on sinning willingly, hoping that the grace of God would just abound and just cover it and not worry about it, to that person, Paul addresses and corrects them by reminding them of what happened when they were baptized. So this morning, I want us to look at s- and see what is it that that represents that would help us in our fight against sin, that would help us to understand what is a Christian and what is the grace of God? So this morning, we're going to look at three pictures of baptism. They're going to be quick pictures. They're going to be pretty, uh, pretty easy to understand. And after the sermon is done, you're actually going to see it enacted. Fair? Here's the first picture, the first meaning of Baptism. By the way, when we understand these pictures, it'll make sense why we only baptize adults and why we do it by immersion. But here's the first picture of baptism. What baptism signifies, baptism is a picture of a funeral. Those who have come today as special guests, special to participate at this baptism service, I want to tell you first and foremost, you have come to a funeral service. Look at verses 3 and 4 in the passage we just read. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Friends, I wonder if you have ever thought or reflected upon this truth, that our baptism is first of all a picture of a funeral, of a death, of our death and our burial, if we have been baptized. Humanly speaking, we are still alive. We still breathe. But spiritually, a major turn has taken place inside of us. We have turned our back away from sin, in the opposite direction. And this turn away from sin is pictured through the image of death. Look at verse 2. Paul says, we who died to sin. This is how Paul defines a Christian, through this image as someone who has died towards sin. Friends, if you are a Christian this morning, do you think about yourself in this particular way? I who died to sin. We who died to sin. But what did we die to? We died to sin. We died to the life of sin. Paul tells us that we have died to the old self. Look at verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Prior to being a Christian, a person was enslaved to sin. A person loved his or her sin. A person was not bothered by sin. A person found delight in sin. A person was ignorant of sin. But after hearing the word of the gospel and repenting and trusting in Christ for salvation, the relationship of the Christian towards sin has changed and it's as if we would say I've died to that. Have you ever seen someone get in a fight in an argument with another person and the argument was so hard and so devastating that one person would say to the other you are dead to me. What do they mean by that? You and I will no longer talk there's not going to be any communication between you and I. There's nothing that we will ever share. There's nothing I don't consider anymore. Alive, you are as if you died. Friends, that picture is what Paul wants us to realize what it means to be a Christian in regards to a life of sin, in regards to our own sin. That's why in Romans 6.2 Two, uh six 2 Paul describes Christians as those who have died to sin. We no longer want to associate ourselves with it. Now, does this mean Christians will have no more sin in their lives? Oh, absolutely not. Christians, while still living on this earth, will not be able to achieve what's called a sinless perfection. Until the Lord comes, we will still carry on in us those tendencies of sin. We'll have to fight against it. But friends, something has changed when we become Christians. We no longer want to associate ourselves with sin. We no longer want to do it. We no longer want to pursue it. We want to fight against it. Will it give us trouble? Oh, you bet. Will it be hard? Yes. But friends, our identity is no longer wrapped around it. We have died to sin. A second picture that baptism represents is not just a picture of death. It's not just a picture of funeral. It's also a picture of a new life. A new life. Look at verse 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Baptism is a picture not only of our death to sin. It's a picture of a new life. Paul is so certain about the the certainty of this newness that he compares our new life with the resurrection of Jesus. Notice the the, the words of comparison here. Just as Christ was raised from the dead. Are we certain that Christ was raised from the dead? Absolutely. Paul says, just as Christ was raised from the dead, you have been raised to a newness of life. Well, friends, that is what baptism signifies. The coming out of the water is a picture of a new resurrection, of a new life, of a newness of life. Because God gives us a new life, He now commands us to live and walk in this newness. Look at verse 11. Notice, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. The new life of God inside of us, friends, it's not just a one-time event. It's not just something that happened when we were baptized some time ago. It is a new life that we continue to consider ourselves both dead to sin and alive to God. Have you ever been around a dead person? At a viewing, perhaps? You looked, you gazed, perhaps it was someone dear. Someone very dear. And you remember the memories. You remember their life. And you wish you could speak to them. One last word. And you might speak to them more than one last word. But they can't hear it anymore. They're no longer able to interact with you. We know the difficulty of that separation. Part of being alive is to hear. Part of being alive is to be able to interact. Part of being alive is to be able to to be there. And for that relationship to be ongoing, There's communication. There's interaction. There's fellowship. There's that presence. Friends, the newness of life. Paul describes. He says, you have died to sin so that you can be alive toward God. Prior to this conversion experience, we were dead towards God. We couldn't hear Him. He would talk to us we wouldn't hear, we, we wouldn't understand, we wouldn't respond. You Why? Because we were dead in our sin. We were dead to God. Now, we were alive towards sin. We were alive towards rebellion. We heard it all the time. We knew what it meant. We loved it. But now, in conversion, a it change takes place, and now, yes, we die towards sin, but we become alive towards God. And we start hearing Him. We start feeling His presence. We start understanding Him. We start communicating with Him. We start interacting with Him, engaging with Him, living for Him. Oh, friends, this is what it means to have a newness of life. We become alive towards God. We were dead towards Him. Now we are alive. Friends, baptism represents the newness of of life. But thirdly, there's a third picture here that baptism represents. It presents and it represents a picture of our union with Christ. Look at verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. The only reason why we can claim that baptism is our death and our our newness of life The only reason why we can claim these realities is because we are united with Christ. He brings us the death to sin. He brings us the newness of life. Actually, if we wanted to die to sin on our own, or if we wanted to be alive to God on our own, we couldn't. We would not be able to. The only reasons why we're here at a funeral service and at a resurrection service, if you will, is because we have been united with Christ. We die with Christ. We participate in His death. It is His death that gives us the power to die, to sin. It's His death that has broken the the chains of our enslavement. Oh, friends, and it's His death and His resurrection that brings us the new life. That's why... Paul speaks about our baptism as a baptism into the death of Jesus and into the resurrection of Jesus. We are immersed into Christ. We are united with Him. Friends, that's why what we see in baptism is an immersion into water. But that immersion is supposed to represent our immersion into Christ, our plunging into Christ. Christ, our union with Christ. This is a visible sign of what has happened to us spiritually. Friends, if you're not a Christian, or if you think you understand what Christianity is about, but have a superficial view or somewhat of an aloof perspective, friends, realize that the gospel is a declaration that mankind, whom God created to be his, to be in His image and likeness and to be accountable to Him has indeed rebelled against the Creator. And because of that, we rightly deserve His judgment, His wrath But God in His mercy and grace provided a way for you and I, for people like you and I, to be rescued from that coming judgment. And He provided His Son, Jesus, who died for sin and He was resurrected to a new life and he now reigns with God in heaven, and he will come again to judge the quick and the dead. Friends, this Jesus will come, and we will face him. And all those who have repented of their sin, trusted in Christ for their salvation, will be granted this new life. Friends, realize that this hope of the gospel is available to us only in Jesus, only if we respond to him. If you have never done that, I'd love to talk to you at the end of the service. to Realize that Christ calls us to be united with Him. Friends, I hope and pray that you realize that the, the, the language of conversion, sometimes we might think about it as uh, receiving Christ. And it's a, it's, it is a biblical picture of conversion to Christianity as receiving Christ. But there's other pictures that describe conversion. And one of the other pictures is we are united with Christ. We're brought into union with Him. And because we are brought into union with Him, all the benefits of Christ are ours as well. I love how Bobby Jamieson speaks about it. He says, because baptism pictures our union with Christ, it also pictures the benefits of that union. Through Christ, our sins are forgiven and cleansed. Baptism signifies both. Peter said to the crowd at Pentecost, repent and be baptized, each of you, In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Ananias stole the newly converted apostle Paul. Now, why delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins by calling on his name. Furthermore, through Christ, we experience a new spirit-powered life. And baptism's symbolic resurrection signifies this life. In baptism, dear friends, A church affirms that someone who professes faith in Christ is, in fact, united with Christ. And it dramatically depicts that union and all its benefits. Friends, that's why we baptize adults. Because we only baptize those for whom this reality has taken place. That's why we baptize by immersion. Because immersion is a visible sign that portrays our plunge, our union into Christ. And because of that union, we have both death to sin and the newness of life. We started off this morning by asking, why do we we baptize? We baptize because Jesus commands us so. But getting baptized is more than just obeying one of the commands. It's more than just a command. It's one of the two visible signs entrusted to the church to practice, to give a visible manifestation of the gospel. Through baptism, the church gives a public affirmation confirming the one concerning the one who is baptized, that he or she indeed has turned away from a life of sin and turned to God in repentance and reliance on Christ for salvation. Friends, when we baptize a new disciple... We don't just affirm their union with Christ. We actually display it. We actually make it visible. And that's what we will do today. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are God who gives us a grace that is able to outdo and undo the work of sin in our lives. Father, thank you that this grace has brought in our own lives death to sin and a newness of life through our union with Christ. Oh Lord, we pray that as we will now display that union with Christ in the lives of these four candidates that you would work in the hearts of those who are still not united with you or those who are still far away from you that you would draw them close to you Enable them to hear your word and voice. Enable them to respond. And enable them to be united with you. In the name of Christ we pray.